Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 476 for the 20th of Adar in a regular year. Did you know that the sun, in addition to being the largest, most massive object in our solar system, it also has the strongest gravitational force in our solar system. It pulls every one of the planets and everything else towards its center of mass. That's taken from a website called sciencefriday.com, by the way. Um, so yeah, so the sun, the sun is really, really powerful. We all know that we, you know, we wouldn't be able to live without the sun. The sun is responsible for not only our perception of vision of reality. Uh, it's also per, uh, responsible for our very life. So we know that plants are dependent upon the sun for the sunlight in order to grow. And uh, we know photosynthesis happens through the sunlight. And, uh, and we as humans and animals need plants in order to eat and the oxygen that we get from the plants. So there's this interdependence that really can all be traced back to the sun. Now, the amazing thing about all of this is that the sun doesn't change from all of this. The sun is like this like ever giving life's force that does not get diminished in any way by its giving. So this is in contrast to water. Water is a finite resource. And while it's unlikely that we're going to run out of water here on earth for a variety of, of reasons, at the end of the day, it's it's theoretically at least possible because uh, water is a finite resource. I mean, you can you can easily test this out. Like you take a huge pitcher of water and then as big as the pitcher is, you start pouring it into different cups. Eventually you run out of water versus uh, sunlight. You know, it's, it's not going to, you're, you're not going to run out of sunlight. So it's like, let's say if you have like, um, like a building and you start making windows in the building. And even if you made like a million windows in the building, there would just never, you'd never run out of sunlight to go through those different windows, you know, and even if it was like a, a room within a room within a room within a room, and each one was like the sunlight was going from one room to the other, uh, the sunlight would still travel into each room as long as you made there be like a direct, like, uh, passageway for the sunlight to come through and the sun does not change. So that's what's really amazing about the sun. Now, why are we talking about this today? Because today that's actually going to be the subject of our podcast, of our of our episode. So if you've been following along so far, then in the past little while in this chapter that we've been learning, and for context, we're still in the in the middle of cha of uh, chapter 35 of Lukatamarum and today we're going to conclude that chapter. We've been talking about the uh the advantage of physical mitzvahs over love and fear of God over emotions in the heart, how there's something about doing actual physical mitzvahs that supersedes just merely feeling different emotions. You can go back and listen to the past couple of episodes to get caught up with that. 
Uh, but today, the focus of uh, this take on this idea of, of the power of the mitzvahs is that the amazing power that the mitzvahs have is that that just like the sun that overpowers anything that is in its way, anything that's in its presence, like nothing really in our solar system is more powerful than the sun. Mitzvahs work in the same way against our bodies, against uh, our animal instincts, against our nature. So that, um, you know, so that when we're doing a mitzvah, the amazing thing about it is not just that the godly soul is involved in doing this mitzvah, which is obvious because the mitzvahs are the domain of the godly soul, but doing a mitzvah actually schleps the animal soul and the body along for the ride as well. To the point that the body and the animal soul don't have a choice in the matter, you know, um, sort of like you could have like the darkest, uh, most gloomiest day in the middle of the desert or whatever, and then the sun comes out, then all the darkness eradicates, everything gets exposed, everything just, you know, is subsumed in the light of the sun. And so it's a similar thing that when we do a mitzvah, then, uh, then it's like everything reverses like this battle, you know, that we've been talking about. We had a different episode about rescuing the princess, rescuing the godly soul from exile that's trapped within the animal soul that's trapped within the body. So here everything reverses. When we do a mitzvah, the godly soul is calling the shots now. The sun, so to speak, is calling the shots now. The the light is overpowering all the darkness. And uh, towards the end of the section today, then the Altarab is also going to talk about this idea of how it is that just like how the sun doesn't sh- doesn't change when it gets when it shines upon a multitude of different objects. So too the you know when we're talking about the sun here, we're talking about the light of the shechina. That's basically the indwe- the divine indwelling of God that gets manifest when we uh, when we do a mitzvah, or as we'll see, even when we have ten Jews gathered together. This is what's known as like a, as a minion. This is why going to a minion is such a uh, powerful thing for a for a man, a Jewish man, to do because just by having an assembly of ten Jews then the divine presence rests upon these Jews. Uh, and it doesn't, and even though there's 10 of them, it doesn't ultimately divide up the light of the Shekhinah. It's still one light, you know, just like you can think of it, how it could be that uh, that one sunlight shines into a, uh, a a building that has a multitude of windows. Like think of like a huge like building in Manhattan with like, let's say like a hundred floors or something like that. And each floor has like, 50 windows. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm just making up these numbers, but, and then the sun shines through all of those windows and there's so much light that's coming into every single window. And so you could see that there's this like multiplicity of the light through the windows, but it's really just one light. It's really the sun. The sun is not multiplicity in its own right. It's one light that gets manifest in this multiplicity of, uh, of the different rooms, but it ultimately is, this doesn't take away from the fact that it's really just one light. So with all of that being said, let's get into the text and see how the Alter Rebbe uh, breaks all of this down. So here we go. And again, for context, we're in chapter 35 of Likutei Amarim, and we're going to be concluding chapter 35 today. So the Alter Rebbe begins, and he says that even though the actual being in essence of the animal soul, which is in his heart, comes from these negative character traits that we talked about, like it's very selfish by nature and self-centered and self-oriented. Nevertheless, this is able to, in this way, through doing the mitzvahs, it's able to totally become subsumed in holiness because we're basically like schlepping it along. Like it's like being coming subjugated to holiness. So all of these evil traits that are found within the animal soul that usually 
have this desire to do things that are just like really selfish and self-serving, when a person does a mitzvah, their entire animal soul together with all of these negative traits are being schlepped along with it. And against their will, they say amen after a bracha and they actually agree to do a mitzvah from these things, to go along and do a mitzvah. And how is this possible? Like how are we able to schlep along our animal soul and our animal instincts to do this is because we talked about how, remember how the, the animal soul is seated in the heart and in the emotions, the godly soul is rooted in and seated in the brain. And innately, the brain actually rules over the heart. So we can control our heart. So ultimately, the godly soul actually does have this slight advantage in that sense that the brain has this ability to rule over the heart. And that these animal instincts at this time are actually in a way of exile and are sleeping. So it's sort of like, again, if we wanted to think about the smuggler, it's sort of like the smuggler is going across the border and it's as if he hypnotized the guards or gave them a lot of alcohol for them to get drunk or something like that. Like we've sort of put the animal instincts to sleep and allowed the godly soul to rule in that time when we're doing a mitzvah. And thus, these animal instincts that we have, this animal soul does not hold back. It does not prevent the resting of the Shekhinah to rest upon the body of a person at this time because the power of the animal soul that is vested within the doing of this particular mitzvah, whatever mitzvah we're talking about, becomes totally subsumed in the light of God and totally unified with it with utmost unity. So what do we mean by this? Just to explain it a little bit is remember, we talked about how another way to think of the animal soul is to think about it as the vitalizing, animating force within the body. So again, without the animal soul the godly soul would be not able to do anything really because it's just totally spiritual and it's not able to connect with phys the physical body the animal soul is the one that vitalizes the body and causes the body to move and do things and act in the world and so when we actually do a particular physical mitzvah so like let's say you're lighting shabbos candles you're putting on tefillin whatever it is at that moment there's a flow of blood in your body and there's an animating force that's causing you to pick up the tefillin wrap it around your arm whatever it is or lift up the ma matches to light the shabbos candles whatever it is so at that moment the power in your hands or whatever part of your body is is being uh is being utilized in the performance of this mitzvah so the power that's infused in your hand or whatever part it is is actually becoming totally connected to god completely and not only that but the ultra continues and he explains how through the performance of these mitzvahs not only does just this particular life force whether it's in the hand or the feet going to perform mitzvah, whatever it is, become totally unified with God. Through the performance of this mitzvah, he actually draws down a radiance to the entirety of his animal soul that is found within the entire body and also to the body itself in a way of makif. So what is makif? Makif means an encompassing light. We'll explain this soon. From above the head until the feet. And then the altar quotes something which I believe is from the Zohar, where it says, Shrinta Shariab al which means that the Shrina rests upon their head. So this is an allusion to why men need to wear yarmulkes, like we talked about before. And so what does this mean? The Shrina rests upon their head, so above their head. So it's it's specifically above, but not inside. And so too, the ultra goes on and, and he says that 
this is the same idea that when there's 10 people that are assembled together, then the Shekhinah dwells upon this congregation of 10 people. So it's, again, this kind of like hovering above kind of thing, not in a more internal way. And final part of the section. So to explain what the Altarab is saying here is he says that when a person performs a physical mitzvah, a a few things happen. First of all, their godly soul which has three garments. They have the garments of thought, speech, and action. The, the garment of action in the godly soul is now able to connect with God in a way that it wasn't able to previously, where it's able to totally unified with him. Not only does the action garment of the godly soul unite in this way, the, the aspects, the power within the animal soul that is the vitalizing force within the animal soul that's allowing the person to do the mitzvah also becomes totally unified and one with God. And not only do these two aspects become totally unified with God, but then we also have the entirety of the animal soul as well as the physical body of the person, which while they don't become unified with God in this total internal way, it it doing the mitzvah does cause the shechina to rest above them, so to speak. So to kind of like hover all around them. So they do get this like radiance of the shechina all around their body and all around the entirety of their animal soul. So, and now the altar of ends this section where he says that this radiance of the shechina, which is in a way of revelation of the or ain't sof of the infinite light is not called a difference. God forbid. So it's like meaning to say that like we're talking about all these different ways that the radiance of God radiates within a person. So it's like there's the internal aspects of the godly soul, the external aspect of the godly soul, the part of the animal soul, which connects with the mitzvah. Like there's all this, these different ways that the Shekhinah radiance radiates within a person in these different aspects. And so now the ultra Rabbi is saying here, you should not God forbid think that this is indicating that there's a difference within God's light itself. Like just because it may shine and radiate in a different way, there's no actual change or difference within him. And it's not, there's nothing about it that is like, it's not plurality. God is not plurality. His light is not plurality. So it's not like he radiates in this way and that way. And it's like, there's all different types of facets of godly light. No. And the altar break here cites a, the Gemara in Sanhedrin page 39a, where a certain heretic approached Rabban Gamliel. And he said to him, he, he kind of like challenged him. And he said that you teach this idea that the Shekhinah rests on every assembly of 10 men, right? That we talked about that. And so if this is the case, how many Shekhinahs are there? Like there's the Shekhinah resting on this congregation, that congregation, each one of the congregations and on this person and that person, like, it sounds like there's like a million different Shekhinahs, right? So then Ramban Gamliel replied and he explained to him that it's just like the analogy of sunlight. So just like you can have like this, if you ever look at like stained glass window, for example, or even not stained glass window, just like a house with lots of different windows, it looks like there's like all these different rays of sunlight that are coming through. And yes, while there's many different rays of sunlight coming through, it's all coming from one same sun. It's not like it's different suns shining in through each window. So that's the way that we can kind of think of this Shekhinah is that it's that it, it operates in the same way, that it's really just one thing, but it manifests in all these different situations in different ways. So that is the end of the section. And so just to recap and bring it all together and to try to bring it back to this analogy of the smuggler that we talked about before is that again, so we're talking about, so basically like our goal is what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring godliness down into the world. We're trying to have the Shekhinah rest upon us. 
And so how do we do that? So we've talked about this idea that we have the godly soul, we have the animal soul, and we've thought of the godly soul as being more holy, the animal soul as being more selfish and hedonistic and not very holy. And today we kind of learned this new idea that, well, yes, it's true that the godly soul is very holy and is totally a part of God. It has some limitations. Limitation number one is the sense that if you take a tzaddik, who is somebody who is totally connected with their godly soul and their whole entire being and essence is like a manifestation of their godly soul, the way that's represented is through their really high level of love and fear of God. And even if somebody has a very profound love and fear of God on such a deep level that this is how they live their life, the very fact of the matter that there is a person who is loving and fearing God demonstrates the limitation of this because it shows that there is a person who loves. And we know that God ultimately in the truest form is one, is is uh, is exclusive. He is the only true reality. So the second you have a lover of God, that's like, it's not the true truth of God. So the true truth of God is actually manifest in his mitzvahs, in his commandment, because the mitzvahs of God are a manifestation of his will and wisdom, which are truly unified with him. So it's not enough, basically, on a practical level to just sit and think about God and develop a very high level of love and fear of him. While those things are great, we actually do need to do physical mitzvahs, which is why even Sadiqi, maybe the most righteous people, need to do physical mitzvahs, because through doing physical mitzvahs, they are able to connect with this more completely unified and all-consuming connection with him. And then we also learned about the fact that another limitation of the godly soul is that it is not physical and it has zero connection with physicality. So we talked about how if a person is sitting and learning Torah, well, they may be connecting with their inner garments of the godly soul, and they may be connecting those to God, naming the garments of thought and speech, the garment of action is not being manifest at that time. And it actually can't be manifest on its own because the godly soul, again, is just entirely spiritual. So this is where we need the animal soul. And this is where the analogy of the smuggler comes in. Because what is the animal soul? The animal soul is the animating force within the body that allows us to move and go through our lives and, and, have the body not just be this corpse. And so through utilizing the animal soul to actually do acts of goodness in the world and do God's will. So we're basically smuggling godliness into the world and we're bringing godliness down here into this physical body, manifest in our physical bodies. And this accomplishes a few things. First of all, now we're able to access this garment of action within the godly soul and the garment of action with the godly soul is now able to connect with God in this all-consuming way. So too, the part of the animal soul that's directly involved in performing the mitzvah also connects to God in this total unified way where it becomes totally nullified within him. And not only that, but in fact, the entirety of the animal soul and the body, in fact, kind of gets schlepped along for the ride. And so they too, while they may not come to this level of connection where they become totally nullified to God in the same way, the, the radiance that when we perform physical mitzvahs, this causes a radiance to hover above them, hover above all around the entirety of both the animal soul and the entirety of the body. So it has this really profound effect. So that's the end of the section for today. And tomorrow we're going to move on to chapter 36, a very deep and intense chapter, one of the more famous chapters in Tanya, the subject of which is actually the purpose of the world. <laughs> so big topic. So stay tuned and I will speak to you then. 
Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.